I have a question. Are you mowing in the dark? Welcome back to the Mowing in the Dark podcast. I am your host, Aaron Sutter. Thank you for tuning in to another episode. Guys, today is a Faith Friday episode. It has been so long since I have done a Faith Friday episode, and we're going to start up this series again because I know a lot of you liked it. Um, A lot of you enjoyed listening to the Faith Friday episodes, and so I'm going to start that up again. It's really hard to do them in the busy months of the year during the summer months because it takes a lot of time to study, to prepare for the Faith Friday episodes. And so I might try to go just a little bit simpler this year. We'll see. I might try to make them a little shorter. I don't know. We'll see how it goes, okay? We're just going to play it by ear. We're going to just make it go. But guys, the reason I do these Faith Friday episodes is because I believe that faith, especially in God, in the Lord Jesus Christ, is essential to running a healthy business. And so that is why I do these Faith Fridays. Uh, On my thumbnail for the channel, it says uh, business, faith, and freedom. And really what it should say is business or family, business, faith, and freedom. Those are my four basic tenets of running a good business is focusing on all four of those. Focusing on your family, obviously the family has to come first. And then after that, you focus really on your faith. But we'll just for the list that I made, we'll say business. You have to spend time focusing on your business or it's not going to do very well. Then you focus on your, um, what did I say? Family, business, faith, which really faith should come before business and really before family. So faith should be the first one, but you know, because of the list. All right. So faith, you've got to focus on your faith every single day because that will influence how you run your business. Your, your faith should influence how you operate your entire life, whether it be business relationships, it should influence every single aspect of your life. And then we have freedom at the end of that, which if you focus on your family, on your business, and on your faith, you will ultimately have freedom, right? And so that's why I do these Faith Friday episodes is because I want you guys to have that freedom. And some of us myself included in the summertime, some of us don't have a lot of time to just focus on our faith. And so that's why I do these Faith Friday episodes, because it gives you just a chance to get some Bible into your life. So the way I do faith, the Faith Friday episodes is I'm not talking about anything long care. I, I mean, maybe I'll slip something in, but usually it's just about God's word. And what we do here, or what I do here, because there's not any we, there's just me, is I take a book of the Bible 
and we go chapter by chapter, verse by verse, through the book of the Bible. So I do one chapter per episode usually. Sometimes if it's a long chapter, which we might run into here, is I cut that in half. And we kind of just cut that in half so it makes the time shorter. I know you guys like longer episodes, myself included. I like longer episodes, so sometimes that's not a bad thing. But for me... In the time that it takes to prepare for these Faith Friday episodes, sometimes I may need to cut that in half because it just takes so much time to prepare. So what we are going to do with this new series that's starting to come through now, the Faith Friday episodes, I am starting in the book of Acts. So A-C-T-S, the book of Acts. Now, before I go any further, I want to make this clear, and I make this clear in every Faith Friday episode, I am not a Bible scholar. Don't pin me as a Bible scholar. I am not a pastor. Do not pin me as a pastor. I am not. I don't work in any capacity other than a song leader in my church, which that is a volunteer position. At any time, I could say, I'm too busy. I can't lead the singing for church anymore. I am not a pastor. I have never been to Bible school. I've never had the theological training. I just love the word of God, and I like sharing it with people, and I like getting it into people's ears. All right, so if you don't take the time to sit down and read your Bible on a daily basis, these podcast episodes are for you. Even if you do sit down and read your Bible on a daily basis, maybe you're only reading one verse a day off of your Bible app, which I really don't like because that verse can be taken out of context. You can listen to it and you can make it say whatever you want it to say when it's not in context. So personally, I like to read at least one chapter a day in God's word. Now for me personally, I have started reading one chapter in the New Testament and one chapter in the Old Testament because you need to understand or you need to know some of the Old Testament, especially the first book of the Bible, Genesis, that will inform you a lot. And then Exodus is another great one to read because without those two, especially those two, you're not going to know the beginning of the story. You're not going to understand the whole context of the Bible if you just start in the Gospels, which is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now, that's where Jesus shows up, is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And those are called the Synoptic Gospels. Those They're basically telling the same story from different perspectives. And so, today, we are jumping into the book of Acts. Acts has, gosh, a lot of chapters. So, we'll be in Acts for a while. Uh, let's see, we're at 22, 26, uh, 28. So 28 chapters in Acts. So we'll be in Acts for 28 weeks because I only do Faith Friday once a week. So we'll be in this book for a long time, but you know what? It's a great book for the foundation 
of the church, understanding the foundation of the church, understanding a lot of different things. Okay, so let's jump back here for a second. Who wrote the book of Acts? It is widely prescribed and it is true that the author of the book of Acts is the same author of the book uh, of the gospel Luke, which is Luke. Luke is a physician and a historian. I believe that's correct. I believe he was a physician and a historian. And he is writing a letter to Theophilus. And so the gospel of Luke is written to Theophilus. This guy named Theophilus, we don't know much about him. And Luke starts out the book of Luke with addressing Theophilus. He says, you know, this is to my good friend Theophilus, um, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And he starts the book of Acts the same way. Okay. So without any further ado, Let's jump into Acts chapter 1. We're going to I'm going to read the whole chapter and then we're going to go back to verse 1 and we're going to go verse by verse through the chapter, okay? Now, sometimes there might I like I said, I'm not a Bible scholar, so sometimes I might read a verse and I don't have anything to say about it. I do have a commentary here that I go to so often if I don't have anything to say about a verse, maybe there's something that my commentary can bring out a little bit. I've done that before as we've gone through the book of Romans and different books of the Bible. If you haven't heard the other Faith Friday episodes, go back in the archives. Look up the Faith Friday episodes. They're really good. In my opinion, they're good. And in other people's opinions, they're fairly good. Now, again, I'm not a pastor. I am not a Bible scholar. So this is my take on what the author Luke is saying. Okay. So please, if you have questions, if you want to argue with me, whatever, you can send me an email to lansinglawnservice at gmail.com, or you can hit me up on Facebook Messenger, which is probably the best place to do this. And you can just look me up, Aaron Sutter. And you'll see in my bio that I own Lansing Lawn Service and I'm a content creator, whatever, you know, that's me. And you can message me there and we can argue there or whatever. Or you can say, hey, great job. Or you can say, hey, I had a question about this and that's fine. I will answer your question to the best of my ability. I know people that can probably have a bigger insight into a question you might have, and I might go to them for an answer and tell you that I went to them for an answer and we'll go from there. Okay. So let's jump into Acts chapter one. Here we go. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instruction through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which he, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water. But in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. 
So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Jesus said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into the heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with women, along with the women, Mary, I'm sorry, let me go back. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women, and Mary the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about a hundred and twenty, and said, Brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through the mouth of David concerning Judas, who served as guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in this ministry. With the reward he got for his wickedness, Judas bought a field. There he fell headlong, his body burst open, and all his intestines spilled out. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this, so they called that field in their language, Akedilema, I don't know how to pronounce that, that is, field of blood. For, Peter said, It is written in the book of Psalms, May his place be deserted. Let there be no one to dwell in it. And may another take his place of leadership. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of this resurrection, or of his resurrection. So, they proposed two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two men you have chosen to take over this apostle, apostle, I'm sorry, some of these words are tough. Uh, Verse 24, Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. 
show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias. So he was added to the eleven apostles. And that ends Acts chapter 1. All right, so let's go back to verse 1. I'm going to read the verse again, and then I'm going to talk a little about it. All right, so verse 1. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. All right, let's go on to verse 2. Until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instruction through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. So Luke is just telling Theophilus, like, this is where I ended my my last letter of of the Gospel of Luke, and now all the and it went all the way from the beginning to when the Holy Spirit took Jesus up into heaven until the the Holy Spirit came to the apostles. All right, so verse three, after his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. So this is just one more. When we think about people asking questions about Jesus and, well, I don't know if he really was the son of God because no one's ever found his body. They can't prove, you can't prove to me that Jesus ever actually existed. Well, actually you can. First of all, in the history of the Roman church, people wrote about Jesus. Jesus was a big deal. All right, Jesus was such a big deal that the the calendar was split in two before Jesus and after Jesus. That's a big deal. That is a huge deal. All right? And the Romans had their own people, historians that took this stuff down. And so there's a historian called Josephus. He writes about Jesus. He writes about all the all this stuff. So Jesus was a real person. It is a provable fact that Jesus was a real person and that he did miraculous things. That is a provable fact written down by not just Christian believers in the Bible. There are other historians who documented these things. All right. So that's number one, is that it is provable that Jesus really lived, was really, really did the miraculous signs that he said he did and died on a cross. Now, the the thing that people have problems with is when G, when people claim that Jesus rose from the dead. Okay, well... First of all, where's Jesus' body? Where's his body? They've never found it. They've never found the tomb where Jesus was. They have never been able to prove that Jesus stayed dead. All right, so that's one. You could, you could, you could argue against that, though. But then you have eyewitness accounts like Luke is showing here. 
After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. So this is not just the 12 disciples that he appeared to. And we'll get into this as we go on in Acts. He appeared to over 340 different people at different times during this 40 days. So either all of these people had the same mental incapacity because they gained nothing from saying that Jesus was alive. They gained absolutely nothing from it but by, by any, any rational standard. Because claiming that Jesus was alive, they were connecting themselves with this, this disturber of the peace, if you will, this, this crazy lunatic who claimed that he was God. The, the Romans crucified him on a cross. The Jews had him crucified on a cross. They made sure that the Romans did it because the Jews couldn't do it because the Jews cannot take someone's life. So they had the Romans do it. They worked it out. And and then these, these 12 disciples, but not just the 12, over 340 people at one time saw him in one room. They are all connecting themselves to this Jesus who the Romans killed who the Jews killed because he was claiming to be God. He was a he was a blasphemer in their eyes, in the Jews' eyes. They're connecting themselves to this man. That means that they are also blasphemers, which means they could also face death. So what do they have to gain? What do these people have to gain by believing that Jesus rose from the dead, unless he actually did. Because if he didn't rise from the dead, these people are lunatics. But if he did rise from the dead, these people have every reason to believe in him and to declare that and associate themselves with him because he is the only hope. He is the only hope of salvation. So either they're lunatics or they're, they are crazy enough to proclaim that he rose from the dead because he actually did and because he is the only hope. All right, let's keep going. Verse four, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, while Jesus was eating with them, he gave them this command. Quote, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. Verse 5, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So he's telling them, I'm going to leave you. I'm going to go into heaven just like I was, just like I told you back in, in, in Luke when I wrote wrote in my gospel, Luke, in the last letter, that Jesus is going to go to heaven. And he's telling them again, I am going to go to heaven, but don't leave Jerusalem because I am sending the Holy Spirit and you are going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. 
not with, but in the Holy Spirit. Verse 6, so when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Now, this is a really interesting question that they asked because the Israelite people were looking for the Messiah. And they, the Jewish people are still looking for the Messiah. The reason they're still looking for the Messiah and they do not believe that Jesus was that Messiah is because they do not believe that Jesus was going to come and be a, a, um, a spiritual leader. They believe that he was going to, the Messiah is going to come and liberate them politically. They do not believe that the Messiah is going to be a religious leader. And so they were, they are not looking for, for some religious guy. They're looking for a handsome, well-built commanding political leader. And that's why they asked this question, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Verse seven, Jesus said to them, or he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority. It's not for us to know. So when back in the eighties, when, and I know some of you probably aren't old enough to remember this. Some of you are. I'm really not, but I've heard people talk about it. Um, back in the 80s, there was this guy who was got a lot of traction for some reason, and he said that 88 reasons that Jesus is coming back in 1988. And so he got a following with this. But this right here, this right here, verse 7, Jesus clearly says, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. So we're never going to know when Jesus is going to come back. We're never going to know when Jesus is going to restore, or when God is going to restore the kingdom of Israel, which he will do. We're never going to know that because it's not for us to know. That's for, for God to know and for us to find out. All right, verse eight, but you will receive, this is still Jesus talking, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. All right, Jerusalem and Judea, I get that. So again, I, sorry guys, the furnace kicked on and I, it, interrupted me right in the middle of what I was saying. So what I was saying is I can understand Jerusalem, you know, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea, but I do, it's hard to wrap your mind around Samaria because the Jews and the Samarians or the Samaritans don't get along. They never have. They're, they're at odds with one another. That's why back in in the Gospels, when Jesus met the woman at the well, she was a Samaritan, right? And that's why that was so significant and such a big deal. That's why the parable that Jesus told in the, in the Gospels about the good Samaritan taking care of a Jew who had been 
beat up. It was, it was so significant because they don't get along. The Jews would walk out around Samaria. They would go around Samaria to get around it to the other side. They wouldn't walk through it. It would be a much straighter line and much faster to walk through Samaria to get to where they were going in Judea, but they would not do it. They would walk way out and around and it would take much longer, but they did not want to associate with Samaritans. So Jesus is saying here, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria. He made the, he made sure to put that in and to the ends of the earth. Now, did, did the, the disciples go to the ends of the earth? No, they didn't. But the gospel of Jesus Christ has reached to the very ends of the earth. They did spread out. Paul himself, uh, the Apostle Paul, went on missionary journeys to different countries. So he also spread the gospel to the ends of the earth. And that's just, that's an amazing, amazing statement by Jesus that he's not leaving out anyone. The most hated people that the, the Jews knew were the Samaritans. And he's saying, you will spread the gospel. You will be my witnesses to the most hated people of the Jews, the Samaritans. All right. Verse nine. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. So this is, this is where Jesus is taken up into heaven. He, they're on the Mount of Olives and Jesus says this, he tells them this. He says, you're going to be my witnesses to the world. And then God takes him up in a cloud and they no longer see him. And he hasn't been seen since then. So that's the last that we hear from Jesus personally. All right. Because he sends who the Holy Spirit, but let's keep going. We're not there yet. Okay. That will be next week, but this week we're just going to dive into this first chapter here. Verse 10, they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Verse 11, men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. They stood there just watching Jesus rise into a cloud. And what Jesus was expecting them to do was leave to go. He was telling them, go, get out of here. It's time to, it's time to get moving. It's time to start the work, right? I'm leaving you, but I will send my spirit. I will send the Holy spirit. So two angels come and they say, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky with your thumb in your nose or your finger in your nose? That same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Now, I don't know what the the apostles, the followers of Jesus were thinking here. 
maybe it was like, oh, cool, he's going to come back really soon. Because really, once Jesus left, we entered the end times. Once Jesus was taken into heaven, we are now in the end times. And we've been in the end times since Jesus was on the earth. So they're thinking, well, it can't be that long if we're going to see him come back the same way. But that's not really what these guys meant. They didn't mean you will see him. They mean the world will see him come back. So that's what these two angels are saying to them. And I'm sure, you know, the, the apostles really didn't understand that. But that doesn't really matter because we're here now, right? All right, verse 12. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city. So it took them all Sabbath day to walk back to Jerusalem. Verse 13. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James, not Judas Iscariot. All right, that was verse 13. So Luke just gives all the names of the people that were in the room. Verse 14, they all joined together constantly in prayer, along with women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. Whose brothers? Jesus' brothers. And the mother of Mary, or the mother, <laughs> Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. It would be, okay, so the Catholic Church, this is a bone I have to pick with the Catholic Church, okay? If you're Catholic out there, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to pick on you, but this is a bone that I have to pick with the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church says that Mary had no other children after Jesus. This disproves that Mary had no other children after Jesus. Listen, read it again. They all joined together constantly in prayer along with women, okay, which was unheard of for Jews, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. Who's in this room? Who's in this room? the followers of Jesus, Peter, James, John, Andrew, and all the other followers. So he lit, Luke intentionally lists all the followers. Would it not be redundant for Luke to say, and all of his brothers, and with his brothers, if Luke was referring to the followers of Jesus, the 12, would that not be redundant? Would that not be just repeating what he had already said? Because the Catholic Church believes that when it talks about brothers, it's meaning the 12. Because obviously you can't have Mary having other children after Jesus. And that's just not true. Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his Jesus brothers. So this, I'm sorry, Catholics, if you're listening, I love you, but the Catholic Church, from what I'm seeing here in my Bible, in Acts, disproves that Mary never had any other children. She clearly did. 
Because if she didn't, why would Luke say, repeat himself and say, and with his brothers, which would mean the disciples in the Catholic case, because he already listed the disciples. That would be redundant. I don't think Luke, being a physician and a historian, would do such a thing. Okay, now that's just my two cents. You can take it for what it's worth. I'm not here to argue about it. I love my Catholic brothers and sisters, but we do have some disagreements. I'll say that. Okay, verse 15. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers. In parentheses, it says a group numbering about 120. All right. So in those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120. Verse 16. And said, brothers, the scripture, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through the mouth of David concerning Judas. Which Judas? Judas Iscariot, who served as guide for those who arrested Jesus. All right, so long ago, it is talked about, David talked about it in the Psalms, that Jude, that there would be a betrayer, and he would be one of these disciples. Okay, that's what Peter is talking about. Uh, let's see, verse 17. He was one of your number and shared in this ministry. Verse 18, in parentheses, with the reward he got for his wickedness, Judas bought a field. There he fell headlong, his body burst open, and all his intestines spilled out. That's disgusting. But, I mean, that, that is what happened. That's how he died. He fell, his intestines burst open. I don't know if he fell on a stick you know, and it gashed his stomach open and he died that way. I don't know. It just says he fell headlong and his body burst open. All his intestines spilled out. Verse 19, still in parentheses here. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this. So they called that field in their language, blah, blah, blah. I don't know how to pronounce that. I tried to earlier. That is field of blood. So they, they called this field the field of blood. Verse 20, for, for, said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, may his place be deserted. So obviously this field was then deserted. Nobody wanted to go there because it was called the field of blood. Let or, So let me read that again. May this place be deserted. Let there be no one to dwell in it. And... May another take his place of leadership. So Peter is working up to replacing Judas as one of the twelve. Okay. Verse 21. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus went in and out among us. So an apostle had to be, or a, a one of Jesus' followers needed to be chosen, and apostles had to be with Jesus the whole time. Now, the exception to this is the Apostle Paul. Um, I don't know the whole details under that. I'm not going to go into that because I just don't know it. But people call Paul an apostle, okay? But we're going to just stick with this, okay? So now I'm just going with this situation right here. 
So they had to replace Judas. They, they, they needed to, because according to scripture, they needed to replace him. And that's what Peter's saying here. And so you had to, in order to be an apostle, you had to see all of Jesus' miracles, all that stuff. You had to walk with Jesus from the time he was baptized all the way to when he was crucified and rose into heaven, right? Was ascended into heaven. So this was a big deal. And there was only two guys, all right? So verse 20, 21 again. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us. Verse 22, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they needed another witness. They wanted another witness and he was there. There was only two guys that qualified for this in the room. Okay. Among these 120 people that were in the room, only two guys qualified. Verse 23. So they proposed two men. Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, J-U-S-T-U-S, just us, right? And Matthias, just these two guys. They prayed, verse 24, they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen, verse 25, to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. Okay, now Judas was in control of the money purse. So Judas took care of the money. So they are replacing not only just to be a witness, but they're also replacing the treasurer for the followers. And so this person needed to fit that qualification as well. I believe it doesn't say that here. Okay. That doesn't say that here, but that is Judas's position was the treasurer for the 12 disciples and for Jesus ministry. And so they needed to replace that person. Okay. So I believe that's what they are doing here. All right. Verse 26 um, I'm sorry, verse 25 again, to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. Verse 26, then they cast lots, which is like casting dice, essentially, and the lot fell to Matthias. So he was added to the 11 apostles. So how many apostles were there? Total. How many apostles were there total? Well, you have the first 12, okay? Then Judas dies, right? So he still wasn't an apostle. So you still have to count him in there. So there's 12. Then you have Matthias, that's 13. And then you have Paul, Apostle Paul. Now, Paul did not walk with Jesus. However, Jesus did come to Paul when he was still Saul, when the Holy Spirit struck him blind or Jesus struck, struck him blind and he learned from Jesus himself, which is hard to believe, but that is what I believe happened. Okay. And we'll probably get into that later in Acts as we learn about Paul. All right. But I believe that's what happened. So there's 14 
there's really 14 apostles of Jesus Christ. That main group, 14 apostles. And Peter accepts Paul as an apostle as well. So we know by doing our little math that there was actually 14 total apostles through history. Okay, so these are people who walked with Jesus. They they sat under Jesus teaching. They 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 communed with Jesus. There was 14 of them in total. So that's pretty interesting, but that guys is where I'm going to leave it off today. That is the end of chapter one. Man, guys, I forgot how much I love doing this and just talking about it. Even though right now it feels like I'm just talking to myself. It just, I love this. I love digging into God's word and trying to bring things out of it, thinking about it, thinking about what is going on here and speaking it out of my mouth in real time, I just really enjoy doing it. I really do. I hope you guys enjoy listening to it because I really enjoy doing it. So guys, that's it for this Faith Friday episode. Come back next week for Acts chapter two. We're going to get into when the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost and Peter is going to address a crowd. But however... Chapter 2 is very long. It's 47 verses, so we may have to cut that one in two. Uh, We'll see. We'll see, because when the Holy Spirit comes, that's a very small section, but Peter addressing the crowd, um, that's a very large section. So we'll see how it works out. Maybe we'll just tackle the whole chapter, chapter 2. Anyway, That's it for this episode, guys. Thanks so much for listening. If you haven't done so already, go check out the Lansing Lawn Service YouTube channel over on YouTube. That YouTube channel helps support this podcast because I don't have any sponsors for the podcast. So all the money that comes in from the YouTube channel supports this podcast. There are costs to running a podcast. I have to pay for hosting. I I have to pay for equipment. It's quite expensive. So if you would do that, that would be awesome. Um, I really appreciate that. Um, And that's it, guys. I will see you in the next Faith Friday episode.